The last few years have been tough for progressive Christians. A lot of issues have come out the last few years, tough maybe especially for progressive Baptists. Uh, you have felt this from us. You have heard this from us. You may have seen this in writings from us over the last few years. I hope today, as we talk about Baptist history, uh, from two different angles, I'm going to talk to you about Baptist history and from a historical perspective and from a personal perspective. I hope maybe you can gain some insight into what Amy and I and Dan and other pastors such as we are have felt the last few years. This is never political for us. This is Christian theology and this is Baptist history. That word and the other, Amy and I went this past week and visited with our good friends David and Jane Hull. David preached our installation sermon here 22 years ago. They have been great mentors of ours. <clears throat> when we lived in Birmingham, David's father was on the staff of the church that I served there. Uh, Bill Hull has become one of my greatest mentors. He died a few years ago. And when we were at their home this past week, David called me up to his office and said, I want to know if you'd like to have one of my father's robes. And so today I'm wearing Bill Hull's doctoral robe, and I feel like I'm drenched in Baptist history as I stand here before you today. Maybe it'll make me a little wiser. Maybe it'll make me a little more Baptist today. So I'm wearing Bill Hull's robe, and I'm really honored to have it today. The priest at Holy Comforter Episcopal Church said to me, you're not what most of our folks think of when they hear the word Baptist. And that statement was the beginning of this book, Finding a New Way Home. It's my story. It is a sentiment many of you have also encountered. I have a friend, several of you have told me, I know she would love this church. She believes what I believe, but she has told me she will never go to a Baptist church. Oh, we're not that kind of Baptist, we've often said. And after the disheartening news from the Southern Baptist Convention this past week, we will all be saying it again in the coming days, not that kind of Baptist. In a near-unanimous vote that sounds more like 1923 than 2023, the Southern Baptist Convention voted to deny affiliation to any church daring to allow a woman to serve in any pastoral capacity. Now, exactly what pastoral means is a little bit unclear. No woman serving as a deacon, no church with a woman serving as a deacon can be affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. No woman with a, uh, with a uh, no church with a female pastor can be part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Whether that extends to associate pastors, children ministers, that's a little bit uh, uh, unclear. That news, which made headlines around the world, will impact Park Road Baptist Church. Because most people think Baptist just means Baptist. We're all the same. As the nation's largest Protestant denomination continues to make itself irrelevant in a modern world, today's topic in our summer lineup is ironic and opportune. We planned this months and months ago, having no idea the decision would be made this past week. Now, I know most of you do not sleep with a copy of Leon Macbeth's The Baptist Heritage on your bedside table. Uh, but because it is current, I hope that you will let me share a little of our history with you to tell you our Baptist story today. It began in 1609, as I just sang. It began in 1609 in Amsterdam, Holland. But let's go back just a bit. 
16th century English history is roiled with religious strife. King Henry VIII had proclaimed himself the head of the church, but his successors alternated British loyalty between Roman Catholicism and Protestantism, which had begun in 1517 under Martin Luther. Henry's son, King Edward, was Protestant, but his successor, Queen Mary, Queen of Scots, gained her infamy as Bloody Mary for all the Protestants she executed in returning the state to its Catholic origins. It went back and forth. It went on and on. In this tumultuous century, the Puritan movement was born from those seeking to purify the confused English church. Dissatisfied with Puritan ineffectiveness, a later group sought not to purify the church, but to separate, it fr separate from it completely. Unhappy even with those separatists, a preacher named John Smith came on the scene and united forces with an affluent layman named Thomas Helwes, Smith and Helwes. Pursuing more religious freedom than they could find in England, Smith and Helwes moved their group to Holland, and Baptists were born in 1609. Baptists, as I like to say, have always been ornery. We are, we are the dissenters of the dissenters of the dissenters. Puritans, separatists, Baptists. Distilling Baptist history, like simplifying any other history, is dangerous but I am satisfied with the summary provided by the contemporary historian Walter Buddy Sheridan in his book, The Baptist Identity for Fragile Freedoms. Sheridan claims four freedoms have been essential to the Baptist identity and witness from our very beginning. Individual freedom. You are free before God to make your own commitments in faith. Number two, Bible freedom. You are competent with the help of the Holy Spirit to read and interpret the Bible for yourself. Church freedom. In the autonomy of the local church, all churches are free to make their own decisions regarding membership and polity and the calling of their own ministers. I hope you hear the irony. Religious freedom number four, religious freedom, a free church in a free state, a church uncoerced by governmental power. Now, while I personally and Park Road Baptist Church collectively have had no meaningful affiliation with the Southern Baptist Convention for over 40 years, if you want to know why I am, yes, angry about the backwardness of the recent SBC decision regarding women, it's not only because it flies in the face of common sense and rational thought, but also because it is a contradiction of 400 years of Baptist principle. The autonomy of the local church has been sacrosanct for Baptists from the very beginning. In a modern world, it is destructive to the church at large. And Park Road Baptist Church will be impacted by this unfortunate mentality. When people pass by on the road and they see the sign, that's just like all those other Baptists. The autonomy of the local church has been sacred from our beginning, but today's fundamentalist leaders are in their own culture war battle. Factions within the SBC are now jockeying to out-conservative one another, seizing on the nonsensical fear of wokeism and all the grave dangers that LGBTQ rights present. Baptist principles yet again 
are sacrificed for political power. The Christian nationalism that I keep talking to you about is an affront to the religious freedom that has been the essential Baptist conviction and was also the impetus for the founding of the United States of America. The nation was not founded as a Christian nation. I do not care what any politician or preacher tells you. In reaction to the state-sponsored religion of the English monarchy, 102 intrepid pilgrims boarded the Mayflower in 1620, risking their lives, many dying in the process of seeking religious freedom. They left Europe determined to find a free church in a free state. But some form of Christian nationalism or theocracy, call it what you will, the merger of church and state has always been a temptation. By the time 13 colonies were formed in New England, eight of them had an established church. They left for religious freedom, and by the time 13 colonies were formed, eight of them had already returned to established religion. Tax money supporting the Christian Anglican Church of the Colony. Enter Roger Williams, the founding pastor of what would become the first Baptist church in America, would have none of this established church, non-Baptist nonsense. Protesting the establishment, proclaiming liberty of conscience, Williams was expelled from the Massachusetts Bay Colony. He ventured south to what is now Providence, Rhode Island, and Williams paid, I tell you, he paid the Narragansett Native tribe for a tract of land. Can you imagine anybody in that day paying Indians for land? Everybody else just took what they wanted. Roger Williams paid for Providence, Rhode Island. And there he founded the Plymouth Plantation and what is now the First Baptist Church of Providence, Rhode Island. His Baptist theology might be summarized in this quote from the 1755 letter to Providence. There goes many a ship to sea whose weal and woe, whose success and failure, whose, uh, whose joy and sorrow is common. Sometimes Papists and Protestants, Jews and Turks may be embarked in one ship upon which supposal I affirm that all the liberty of conscience that I have ever pleaded for turns on these two hinges, that none of the Papists, Protestants, Jews, or Turks be forced to come to the ship's prayers of worship, nor compelled from, from their own particular prayers of worship, if they practice any. Roger Williams true to our Baptist ideals, held firm that you may choose to be Baptist or Catholic, Jew or Muslim, Turk, Muslim, or completely secular, and the government nor the church shall impose upon you because of your religious convictions. Now, Roger Williams might have thought everybody else was going to hell, but he was insistent that you had the opportunity, it was your liberty of conscience to choose or not choose your religious perspective. Following this commitment, another of our Baptist ancestors named John Leland was a constant voice in the ear of James Madison. You recognize that name. Historians agree that it was due to that Baptist influence that the Bill of Rights begins with an enshrinement of the separation of church and state. 
Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting its free exercise. Another of our politicians recently pushing a Christian nationalist agenda said, and I quote, I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk that's not in the Constitution. It was in a stinking letter, and it means nothing like what they say it means. Unless the Bill of Rights is not part of the Constitution, the separation of church and state is very much part of our founding document. And that stinking letter, just so you know, was written by Thomas Jefferson to a group of, you guessed it, Baptists. In a letter dated January 1, 1601, to the Baptist in Danbury, Connecticut, Jefferson said, Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between the individual and God, I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. The angers of our current culture war are fraught with existential dangers, I believe, to both church and state. The historic Baptist principle of radical religious freedom, keeping the state out of the church, defending the rights of Papists and Protestants, Jews and Turks, as well as those who have no religion. That freedom is one of the boldest, bravest experiments in the history of human governance, and it is Baptist through and through. Many are seeking to tear down that wall of separation and the determination of whether the nation remains Baptist at heart that is, radically free, that determination, may, may be, uh, whether we remain radically free, may be the determining factor for the future of the country. Now, since this history lesson has brought me to the current moment, let me bring you up to speed on Baptist life in America. And I can do this in less than one page, so stay with me. In the Triennial Convention of 1814, Baptists met in Philadelphia to unite as one body. But it's hard to keep ornery, independent-minded Baptists together, so that tenuous arrangement held only until the issue of slavery, dividing North and South, also divided Baptists. In an 1845 meeting at the First Baptist Church of Augusta, Georgia, separating from their northern kin, the Southern Baptist Convention was born. Marching forward in time, probably as a lingering result of the religious fundamentalism that came out of the 1925 Scopes trial on evolution and creationism, an organized group overwhelmed the 1979 Southern Baptist Convention meeting, electing a fundamentalist as convention president. The president has appointive powers to all seminaries and institutions in the convention, so only fundamentalists were appointed that year, and that was a strategy that contend, continued for more than a decade until all the boards and all the assets of the Southern Baptist Convention were in fundamentalist hands. Concerned with this politically motivated takeover of the Southern Baptist Convention, a group of moderate Baptists came together at Providence Baptist Church on Randolph Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, in 1987 and formed the Southern Baptist Alliance. 
a group that later dropped the name Southern and became the Alliance of Baptists. Park Road affiliated with the Alliance from the beginning. From its beginning, the Alliance has been committed to the welcome of all people in all roles of leadership. A consistent affirmation that it turned out was a bit much for some moderate Baptists. So in a meeting in Atlanta in 1991, a more centrist Cooperative Baptist Fellowship was born. Southern Baptist Convention, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, Alliance of Baptists. Uh, from the beginning, Park Road also affiliated with the CBF. But in 2016, the CBF conducted an evaluation of its mission and vision and could not state a full policy of inclusion of gay employees. And because of our conviction that all are welcome, we severed our ties with the CBF in 2018. We stand as an alliance church not affiliated with either the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship or the Southern Baptist Convention. Park Road Baptist Church does not, in many ways, look like what many people think of when they hear the word Baptist. Despite the obvious liability that imposes on us, especially today, I am grateful we do not. I do believe, however, that we are Baptist to the historic core. Your choice to call a woman as your pastor and our consistent, inclusive welcome to all people is our right as an autonomous Baptist church. Our non-coercive baptismal policy reflects your rights as an individual to determine your own faith before God. Our interfaith cooperation, that affirmation that, going back to Roger Williams' words, the Papists and Protestants, Jews and Turks among us, is consistent with the Baptist appeal to liberty of conscience. Now, just like democracy, Baptist life can be difficult. It would be a lot nicer if you would just let Amy and me call all the shots. But that's not how Baptist life works. As a diverse community, agreeing to disagree on many things, but committed to what we can achieve as a community together, we remain Baptist to the bone. May it always be so. Amen. I did a stretch on Martha, writing creatively what Martha would think about and say about things, the Martha from the Bible. Two people texted me this week to say, I wonder what Martha would think about the Southern Baptist Convention's words. Well, I'm not going to deal with Martha today, but this past week, I was so busy. I just had so many things going on. Uh, backyard meet and greet and visiting and two weddings to do and putting worship together and just the things of the job. I shared what somebody else had said about the Southern Baptist Convention's uh, uh, word about women and said, this, this speaks for me because I'm too busy doing the work to sit down and write about it. I think that's what Martha would say, too busy doing the work. But for this summer series, we've turned to the Proverbs to find some proverbial wisdom for the topic of the day. So from Proverbs chapter 14, this is what we have for today. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. There's a way that seems right, 
but its end is the way to death sometimes. You've heard the ancient story. It's such a gift to be in a place where I never have to think about being a woman in the pulpit and a woman whose vocation is pastor. It's been so long since I've had to think about this as an issue. But the word Baptist has been in the news so much this week that I will admit to a few buttons that have been pushed, a few triggers that have been pulled, and enough religious trauma lying deep in the recesses of my soul that I feel compelled to say a few things today. Months ago, Baptist history was set as our topic for today. Timely, no? As Russ has outlined for you, dissenters is how we have been known. Now let me confess, I am not a born and bred Baptist. I'm a half Roman Catholic, half Southern Methodist, Presbyterian College Baptist. I entered the Baptist fray just in time for the height of a big fight within Southern Baptist life around theological education. Russ and I were part of the protesters, the dissenters, the sit-iners at, wait for it, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. At their board of trustees meeting, when they were working feverishly to oust our most beloved and influential seminary professors in the late 80s. It was an invigorating time. I had never been a protester before, nor had I been a dissenter. I, up until that point, had played the role that I had been taught, go along with the status quo, don't ask questions, learn the right answers, and for goodness sake, don't rock any boats. Major in education, get married, have babies. That was my life's calling, and I was happy with it until I got to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and then just about everything changed about me in very short order. Thanks be to God. I wish that I could fully explain to you what happened to me at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. It was such a transformation that it honestly just about brings tears to my eyes to remember it all. Dr. Glenn Stassen, Dr. Andy Lester, Dr. Wade Rowett, Dr. Bill Leonard, Dr. Frank Tupper, Dr. Craig Lascalzo, and most of all, Dr. Molly Marshall opened my mind to a whole new understanding of God and Jesus and church and faith. It was as if I had truly been born again. Then friends like David and Amy and Terry and James and Dan and Karen and Fran and Steve and Nancy and John and a pastor like Steve Shoemaker and a Sunday school teacher like Grace Powell Freeman and somewhere in all of those people and in all of those conversations, I recognized a call from God to do this work. In hindsight, 
I can see this call had been planted in that little Southern Methodist church when I was about 10 years old. I just had no words for it, and I certainly had no role models. And then I got to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and discovered this is what a preacher looks like. The first time I had ever seen it in my life. I took my first homiletics class, that's preaching. My preaching professor asked if he could publish my sermon for his class in his preaching textbook. But after plenty of rejection and even being called an abomination to my face, I found churches where I was welcomed and affirmed and accepted and respected, though hardly a week still goes by that I don't get that surprised response from someone that calls the church office or stops by wanting to speak to the pastor to be told that Amy is the pastor. Almost every week. Now, in my 50s, I can kind of laugh about it. But honestly, it's really not funny. The laughter is survival mode. After more than 30 years of work that is by and large in our culture still considered a man's job. It's not healthy to live in a perpetual state of anger and resentment. It's not good for my body, my mind, or my soul to carry around the angst and the frustration and the woundedness that has been my story and countless other women's stories. So I've learned to laugh a lot of it off, but it's not funny. Friends, God calls all of us to this work. Some of us, God calls to this work as vocation. Churches all over the world are raising up people, all people, to answer God's call to the work and to some the vocation of ministry. And it is beyond my realm of comprehension how the largest Protestant denomination in the world dares to silence God's call in anyone. That is an abomination. We are, I am, Baptist to the bone but not that kind of Baptist. And I am so sick and tired of having to say not that kind of Baptist, but thanks be to God, I'm not, and we are not. Simply put in a proverbial fashion, there's a way that seems right to a person, but it ends, but its end is the way to death. Now I'm sure what Al Mohler the current president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and as an aside, we just barely missed having to have his name on our diploma. Thank goodness Dr. Roy Honeycutt is there on our diploma. But I'm sure that Al Mohler and his kind think they are right. I think their practice of excluding women from pulpits is the way to death. The death of voices that have been silenced from pulpits simply because they were assigned female at birth. All week long, 
It has left me thinking about all the little girls sitting in Southern Baptist pews today who will have to spend the rest of their lives sifting through all of that religious trauma to even begin to discern if perhaps God is calling them to do this work as their vocation. All those little girls with no role models, all those little girls every single Sunday being told, shh, what will that do to them? Please, God, let them find people like us. Because I found people that cleared the way for me to hear God's call. God is always planting seeds that will bring about the kingdom of God right here and right now. And God is always looking for places and people like Park Road Baptist to speak truth to power, to call out discrimination, and to do everything in our power to clear the way so that every single person can live fully into all that God created them to be. Our work is cut out for us. Do you understand the damage to the church, to our church, from the headlines from the Southern Baptist Convention this week? And do not let it be lost on you that this same convention that is silencing women is going through a great upheaval over the sexual misconduct by men in power over the very women that they are silencing. You think it's not connected? It absolutely is connected. Keep them silent because we are abusing them in every kind of way, including sexual misconduct. It is wrong. It is immoral. It is not of God. It is a complete and utter abomination. Now, somebody needs to say it. That's what my daddy said. Somebody needs to say it. My daddy always said, well, somebody ought to tell him, and he was happy to be the one, and I'm feeling it today. <laughs> we nestle ourselves in this comfortable bubble of inclusion, and if we're not careful, we will convince ourselves that this kind of discrimination and silencing is not really real. Friends, it is really real. Not just for women either but for people of color, for people who are discovering how to live in the fluidity of gender identity and sexual orientation. There's a way that seems right to a person, but it ends, its end is the way to death. May we call out the way of death when we see it, and we've seen it this week. And may we be the people to bring life and give voice to anyone who is silenced from bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are they thinking to dare to silence the voice of God that is found in women? Who do they think they are? You might can tell that it's been a bit surprising to me how much this has triggered me this week. 
And while I have appreciated the many affirmations, not just of me personally, but of so many women in ministry on social media, it is a sad day to recognize how far we've come, yes, and yet still how far we have to go. Let us not grow weary of doing what is right. Let us not grow weary of saying what is right. Let us not go weary of be believing what is right and acting on what is right, even if it falls outside traditional and societal norms. Let this week be a call to action for us that leads to life and not a way to death. Let us be the dissenters we have historically been because this is what a preacher looks like. May it be so. Amen.